We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here. And I'm really glad to be here. I got a great show planned for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Bigfoot. But more importantly, we're going to be talking about Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. That's right, my home state, Pennsylvania. We're going to have two guests coming on. The first guest is going to be Timothy Renner. Timothy Renner has recently wrote a book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, and I have him coming on to talk about his book. But before we get into that interview, I just want to remind you, if you want to get a hold of me and share a story with me, go ahead and email me at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. But without any further delay, let's get to Timothy Renner. We work hard at being healthier, and what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. All righty. Tonight we have a guest coming on to talk about a book that he just released. Timothy Renner just came out with a book called Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. And it's not the first book he's written. He's actually written a, a book before that called Beyond the Seventh Gate. But uh, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania really caught my eye because obviously I'm in Pennsylvania and so is Timothy. So Timothy, how are you, man? Doing good. Awesome. Awesome. See, I, we talked a little bit about the uh, Beyond the Seventh Gate book, and uh, you know, we've been kind of flirting with the idea of doing an interview like this for a while now. I'm glad we're actually doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. So talk to us about the Bigfoot in Pennsylvania book. Like, How did that come about? I mean, it's very unique on how you constructed the book. So like, what, what went into the whole research behind that? Well, it, it started with my first book, um, a lot of the accounts I was finding, I was trying to be 
as complete as possible as far as uh, cryptid sightings. And the first book was just three counties in Pennsylvania. It was York, Adams, and Lancaster County. And in order to be complete, you know, I, had, I did a bunch of newspaper searches, and I came up with uh, quite a few reports uh, for those counties and, and for others as well when I was searching. So I thought, well, these are really interesting. They read like uh, sighting. They read like my, you know, a lot like modern sighting reports. They, a lot of the Bigfoot behavior is uh, very similar. If you're uh, if you follow witness reports nowadays, you uh, you'll find a lot of uh, similar things in these old reports. So I just thought it would be interesting to collect uh, a whole series of these together. I originally started to do the entire country. I was just going to do a book of the whole country, and, but I started in Pennsylvania because that's where I live, and I found very quickly that I would have enough to do a whole book on Pennsylvania. So uh, I just settled down, and I did Pennsylvania first. I'm going to move on and do some others, but uh, maybe the whole country piece by piece. I won't be able to do entire states for some, but uh, so this is the first of of what will probably be many. That's really cool, man. Now, as an author, is this something that you always wanted to wanted to pursue? You know, writing books and stuff like that, or is that something that you kind of just stumbled into over time? Uh, my first book was was really um, it, it was done to correct uh, the article on Toad Road and the Seven Gates of Hell that appeared in uh, the Weird Pennsylvania books. Basically, when those came out, I. I kind of begged the editors to let me fact check that story because I knew there's a lot of nonsense on the internet. And uh, they, they asked me to take pictures for it. And when I, I agreed and I said, Oh, please let me, please let me fact check that story. Cause there's, you know, there's, there's really some goofy stuff out there and they didn't, they just printed some wacky story uh, that uh, has no basis in, in history. And it, it always kind of ate at me. And uh, one day I finally just sat down. So well, I'm, I'm going to write, Kind of write the story, the real story, and and get into the history of what happened there. So that turned into my first book, um, and then I found I really enjoyed the process. So I'm I'm going to keep going here. I guess I'm a I'm a author now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. Uh, I know a lot of people just kind of like stumble into something like that. They either have a wealth of information about something and they just write it down or something like that. It's always interesting to hear how people get into writing, though. Now, I I enjoy research. That's that's kind of I mean, I just really, really enjoyed like digging through old books and old newspapers and, and just finding, the, you know, these this old information. I, that's something uh, I guess I get from my wife's family. They're they're genealogists and they're very, very thorough with their uh, with their research. They kind of taught me to to keep digging and, and, and try to find the earliest root of everything. And I, I just really enjoy it. So, so that was sort of a natural extension to to start putting that, putting things together in a book. Yeah, and you say you like research, and a lot of people say that. Oh, I love researching, but it takes a lot of time to do the kind of researching you were doing, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. You have to you have to love it. I mean, I spend you know I don't know most nights till the wee hours of the morning with you know uh, newspaper searches, and then uh, you have to go. I do a lot of searches at historical societies and, and various libraries and stuff. And, and you just, you have to like what you're doing or, or it's, it's going to be miserable. Yeah. It's not like you sat down in front of the computer and Googled Pennsylvania Bigfoot and just wrote about everything you saw. Like it actually takes time to dig into these things and find out, you know, what is what before you even start thinking about writing. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing is to sort of, um, 
you have to wade through a lot of wild man reports. Uh, we should t- just take a sidestep here and say they weren't called Bigfoot before you know 1950 or so. So to find these old reports, you got to figure out what they were called. And in the 1800s and before, they usually just called them wild men because they didn't have a concept of something that was walked on two legs and was covered in hair and kind of looked like a man. So they they just called them wild men. They said, well, it looks like a, a, a hairy wild man. Um, about the time of the discovery of the mountain gorilla, um, the, I say discovery, of course, you know, the Africans knew about it, but, uh, for, in, for the Western people, um, when the mountain gorilla came to, to the attention of Europeans and, and Americans right around 1890, 1900, they start calling them gorillas, at least in Pennsylvania. So, but before that, you get a lot of these wild man articles that are that are definitely humans. So uh, I had to probably wade through twenty reports that are definitely about a human. Either they're either you know talk to somebody in the in in the midst of the report, or sometimes it's uh, they're they're taken to a county home or something like this. And and you obviously you know well this is a human. This is actually a, a wild human they're talking about or a homeless person. So you got to wade through a lot of those to get to the reports that are probably or possibly Bigfoot. Yeah, I can imagine it's a tedious process. Now, with your book, what were some of your favorite stories that you were able to put in there? Like, what, what kind of caught your eye as far as uh, stories that stood out to you? Well, I, I know there's a there's a large contingent of the Bigfoot community that, that is very um, – firm about it being a peaceful giant of the woods and i don't mean to ruffle any feathers but i, I kind of like the the aggressive attack stories yeah, I, just me find too. Them, I just find them really interesting and um i think uh a lot of the stories in the book kind of point to it not being such a peaceful creature at least not all the time now most every sighting i mean the, the majority of every sighting i think modern and old is just going to be, oh, I saw something, you know, something walked across the road in front of me or, you know, I was in the woods and I saw something. But it seems like when you get uh, the longer the encounters go on, the weirder and more potential for violence there is. So my my absolute favorite story is the it's the Bullock Farm incident where uh, it's sort of an ongoing thing from 1920. And that's amidst a. Uh, there was sort of a, a real gorilla flap that was happening in the winter of 1920 and extends it really into the fall, late summer and fall of 1921, that really it goes all across Pennsylvania. If you want, I'll read the, the article that I'm, I'm talking yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So this is from 1920, December 15th. Giant gorilla creates fear in Snyder County. Animal believed to have escaped from carnival breaks boy's arm during attack. Had previously been wounded. Visits Bowling Farm quite often. The appearance of a man-ape or gorilla in the mountains of Snyder County has caused great excitement among the residents of that section where the animal was seen. The big ape, first seen three weeks ago by Samuel Bowling of Miser, a small town in Snyder County. The animal is supposed to be one that escaped some time ago from a carnival and which has since been living in the mountains of that section of the state. Samuel and Margaret Bullig, the children of Charles Bullig, were gathering kindling wood one night in November with the light of a search lamp when a huge animal about seven feet tall and that stood up like a man was discovered by the children within the circle of light. It looked to them like a huge monkey and when discovered dropped on all fours and ambled away, soon disappearing in the darkness. 
A week later, the same animal dis- was discovered in a cornfield on the Bullock farm, which is at the foot of the mountain. Samuel procured a 32 caliber-, caliber rifle and took a shot at the huge man creature, evidently wounding it as it fell at the shot, rolling over several times on the ground. The boy and the father trailed the wounded ape some distance by the blood, but were unable to overtake it, and at length gave up pursuit. On Monday night of the present week, the strange creature made its third appearance at the Bullock farm. Charles Bullock was engaged in chopping wood by light of lantern when the ape approached near enough to be seen. The son ran to the house and procured the rifle, but before he could shoot the gorilla, it viciously attacked him, knocking him down and breaking his arm, and was finally driven away by the father. The lad lay on the ground in an unconscious condition. He was taken to the house and soon after recovered his senses, and it was found that he was not seriously injured. He suffered much from shock, but is expected to be fully recovered in a short time. A large number of men armed with rifles started out to hunt the animal. About 100 Lewistown hunters are scouring the narrows and surrounding country toward the Snyder County line in the hope of getting a shot at the huge creature and killing it, as its presence has caused the greatest consternation in that section, the gorilla being a very dangerous animal on account of its great size, strength, and savage nature. That's from the Altoona Tribune, December 15th, 1920. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty intense encounter. Um, you know, again, it starts with these repeated encounters, and then, then the boy takes a shot at it, and uh, it obviously followed him home. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounded like uh, it was coming for revenge. Yeah, I, and, and I, I'm, I think these creatures, I mean, at least from, from, again, from the modern accounts where people have, you know, taken shots at them around their house, they seem to have a cultural revenge. This sounds like a modern story, you know, that, that if you follow, uh, well, Sashkov's Chronicles and, and some of the uh, the other uh, podcasts and so forth where, where you get witness stories, you know. Yeah, that's that's just incredible. I mean, you know, exactly what you said. I mean, you hear of people, you know, shooting at these things or having an altercation with them only to have these things follow them or chase them or find them a day later. And it's uh it's fascinating to find out that that actually is a characteristic that was uh, there. You know, when was this written? 1800s? This was from nine, nine, This was particular story was from nineteen twenty. Wow. But there are there are I mean there are reports in the book of like window peeking of uh, the creatures attacking dogs and and again these are just things we see again and again in modern reports. There's even old roadside crossings, you know, that just. Uh, at the dawn of the automobile where people just see, see the things, you know, cross the road. Yeah. Now you and I had talked in private, you know, a couple of times now, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but why does the Bigfoot cross the road? I mean, they're, they're so, <laughs> they're so smart. Like we, like we all think that they're, they have to be intelligent. I have some kind of intelligence yet. They do the stupidest things sometimes like crossing in front of a car when they could just wait for it to cross to, you know, drive by. Well, I've heard people, uh, you know, kind of suggest that they're trying to cause an accident. Like squirrels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, this is this is assuming these are natural creatures. Um, I don't want to jump too far into woo because I, I really don't have an answer as, as to what these things are. Um, but I don't know that we can necessarily assign sort of natural animal behavior to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, there, there's just there's a certain level of intelligence, and you know, I've heard people suggest that 
these things get bored and they do things like that just for pure entertainment. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, I always found that fascinating them crossing the road and, you know, just not just, just waiting, you know, if they want to be so seclusive yet, they, they cross in front of a car. Yeah. I mean, they, they avoid cameras like the plague and, uh, (laughs) they, you know, they can probably, you know, we know, don't know for sure, but we can make a guess that they see better at night than us. They probably hear, you know, as, at least as well as us, they know a car is coming <laughs> and they probably know in, on some level it's what automobiles are, you know, at least they're these things that move through the night with big bright lights on them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this week, this week's show is a Bigfoot show and it actually, we're interviewing a guy that had a Bigfoot sighting in Northeast PA um, he actually, his buddy was on Sasquatch Chronicles and shared their story. And he came forward to me and said that he would like to share their story again through his vantage point, you know, through what he saw, because it differed a little bit. And, uh, it was very fascinating to talk to him and stuff and, you know, kind of getting out of here and stuff before we leave, you know, what do you think, not just Pennsylvania, but in the grand scale of things, do you think it's even possible to prove that these things are out there to the general public? I don't think so. And, and I'm just going on gut feeling here. Um, what I feel like whatever these things are, they've, they've always lived beside us in the woods. They've always lived just outside of our light, whether they're, you know, modern led lights or, or an old campfire, you know, back in the day. Uh, they're on cave paintings they're told of in you know, in the earliest stories there are, and we've yet to catch one. I, I, I think short of a body, you're not going to, um, prove it to most people. Uh, and I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm the first one to say I'm not an expert. I go by gut feeling on this stuff and I go by witness reports and if someone proves me wrong one day, I will say, okay, look, you got a body. Fantastic. Look at that. Now we know. But my gut feeling is that we're never going to get a body, and therefore we're never going to be able to prove it to anybody. Uh, you know, the hard skeptic, that is. Yeah, and I, I generally agree. I mean, if you're going out there hunting for Bigfoot to prove its existence, chances are you're going to get bored really fast. Uh, I always tell people if you're into the whole looking for Bigfoot thing, you really got to enjoy being out in the outdoors to begin with. I mean, if you're going out there fresh off of watching Finding Bigfoot thinking you're going to go out there and have so much fun, it's it's not glamorous and it's not like, uh, you know, just walking down a path and up. Oh, I think I see something. It can get yeah. really boring really quick. And there's a lot of days you go, you know, you're out there and you don't even hear a normal animal, animal let alone a Bigfoot sound. And so it, it's just like you really have to, you know, lower your expectations, I think, when it comes to this topic. True. And, and, you know, as, as Wes always says to people, be careful what you wish for as well. There's a lot of not pretty encounters out there. Um, I, I know, I, well, a fellow came up to me at an appearance recently. Um, I was at the, uh, Harrisburg comic-con and he saw my book sitting on the table, the new book. And he said, uh, Oh, you're writing about those things, are you? And I, kind of was like well what do you mean and then he's like yeah i've seen him and he's standing there and he told me the account and he's shaking he he is shaking while he's telling me this he says he has nightmares about it to this day and he's not the only person 
that has come directly to me and told me this. Um, and he said, you know, he said, I don't want to buy your book cause I don't want to think about it, you know, but he, he told me his encounter and, uh, and, you know, kind of walked away, but you could, he was visibly shaken. So uh, again, the, to me, this, this points to it being something other than a natural animal. And again, I don't have a lot of answers, but, um, bears don't scare people that much when they run into bears in the woods. I've seen mountain lions, you know, it, uh, I was uh, aware of it, but I wasn't shaking in my pants, you know, when I saw it. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, not everyone, but a lot of people, when they see these creatures, they're, they're affected with, uh, seems like a form of post-traumatic stress. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's why I really enjoy, <laughs> enjoy is the wrong word to use here, but I find it fascinating to, when I do these interviews, a lot of times I'm doing video interviews with people. And to see their reactions as they're telling me the story, like reliving it. I mean, some of these people, I mean, you probably heard it on the show. People break down crying at times. And it's just like, that's stuff you don't make up. You know, like clearly these people were affected by something. And it's just, right. it's just so fascinating. The fact that, that all these people are affected by this PTSD and all that, yet we just we really can't get solid evidence that they're actually there outside of people's, you know, eyewitness encounters. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the footprints are, are pretty darn convincing, but it, they're never going to convince a hard skeptic. I think the hair and the DNA evidence is, is pretty interesting stuff. Um, but you know, the, the hard skeptic's going to need a body that's to, to prove it to, to them. And, 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 uh, Science really doesn't reward the cutting edge. Um, you know, science science rewards the the, uh, the the proven the things that are already proven, basically. You know, yeah. So it's going to take a body. You know, it's going to take a body. They're not going to take anybody's word for it. And and I I always stress this too on my own podcast and and elsewhere. Whenever I talk about this. I believe something's leaving footprints. I believe something's leaving hair behind. I believe something's leaving scat behind. I believe people are seeing these things. I just am not sure they're, they're the same as, as you know, a squirrel or a fox or a bear or another animal we're seeing in the woods. There's something weird about them. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly how I feel. And, uh, you know, speaking of your podcast, let us tell us about it a little bit. What, what's your podcast all about? It's called Strange Familiars. Um, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or strangefamiliars.com. And it, it's similar to uh, the confessionals, I guess. I, I try to um, – sometimes we'll do witness interviews. Sometimes I, I like to try to do a lot of on-site things. Obviously, I'm limited as to how far I can go. Um, I do have a family. You know, I can't, I can't drop everything and, and uh, run to California much as I'd like to. But, uh, you know, we'll do some on-site reports sometimes. We try to tell stories, um, you know, through through either um, old newspaper reports a lot of times or witness reports and on-site visits and try to kind of mix it up and combine things. So uh, people have compared it to a, a paranormal serial, which is uh, very, very nice. It's a very nice compliment. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed listening to your podcast as well. I remember when you first started talking about getting together, I was – Really excited to listen to it and, you know, subscribed as soon as you came out with it. And uh, with your book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, where can people get it? Amazon is the easiest for people I know. And I, people a lot of times are like, well, I, you know, I want to get it directly from you. And that's super nice. And I'm very willing to sell it to people directly. <laughs> 
But uh, no one should feel guilty about getting it from Amazon. They're actually – it's a very fair split. They give independent authors. And uh, I know a lot of people have Prime, which uh, means free you know, free shipping. So uh, just being realistic, um, you know, I know that's the easiest place for people to find it. So Yeah, and so – if somebody wanted to find you personally, you're on Facebook, right? Facebook or just strangefamiliars.com has links to, to everything from, from the podcast to me personally and emails and everything. It's, it, that's probably the easiest place. Awesome, Tim. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your book and some of the experiences people have had in PA. So I really appreciate it, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Well, I hope you guys go ahead and check out Timothy Renner's new book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. If you're a history buff, I guarantee you're going to love this book because he really dives into the history of Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. So go ahead and check it out on Amazon and let him know what you thought of the book once you read it because he loves hearing people's feedback. Now, next up on tonight's show, we're bringing on Michael. Michael approached me a little while back saying that his friend was actually on Sasquatch Chronicles episode 248, Be Careful What You Wish For. His friend talked about an experience that they had up in the Poconos one night when they went looking for Bigfoot as college students. It was a big group of them, and they decided to go out there looking for this thing, and they actually found it. So he wanted to come on tonight and share his vantage point as to what happened that night, because up until now, he hasn't been really able to talk about it because it's been so sensitive to him. Before we talk to Michael, though, I wanted to play a little bit of a montage from episode 248 on Sasquatch Chronicles so you could hear how this whole thing developed over on Sasquatch Chronicles with Michael's friend, Justin. Take a listen. My buddy and I, we had uh, gone out to the Poconos in Pennsylvania a few times. Uh, we parked the car, we hiked in. We just made a few calls, we listened. Uh, Mike and I decided we were just gonna just let out um, one of my fa- one of my favorite calls, one of the calls I was, I've been good at. This time we got something back. Very clear that it was almost exact same from what we were, which was the thing that struck us the most. And that's when I heard the shuffling, this kind of um, kind of like like footsteps. I remember behind me there was this um, kind of large rock. Um, I decided I was gonna just kind of hop on the top, just kind of like see if I can look over the brush, maybe like, maybe whatever it is, 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 is underneath maybe the brush or lower, or maybe if I get a higher vantage point, I just kind of in my head was just thinking if I could just get higher, I could, I could maybe see something else. When I just saw this, like mass, this, this, this arm and this leg and this, just this thing go from one tree to the next. Okay, tonight I have a special guest coming on, Mike, and 
I actually got an email from Mike. I think it was an email or maybe it was a Facebook message uh, saying that his friend was on Sasquatch Chronicles sharing an encounter that they both had in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. And he said that he would like to share that story and another encounter they had and just kind of like talk about it from his vantage point. Mike, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I When you contacted me, I remember you saying something about the encounter and I asked you what episode it was. And when you said 248, I knew exactly what encounter it was because <laughs> I reference your encounter all the time. Whenever I'm talking to somebody that's in the Northeast of PA, I reference that encounter because it's easy for people to go and listen to and hear, yes, there these things are in Northeast Pennsylvania. And so uh, I just thought it was so ironic. And then it turns out the college you guys went to is right around where I live. And I actually delivered to that college campus and all that stuff. It's just a small world, you know? Yeah, yeah it really is. Before we get into the, the big encounter that you guys had, you and Justin, uh, you guys actually started, you know, trying to get the feel for, you know, being out in the woods at night in Valley Forge State Park, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, so it, it, it's just one of those things where we knew we're, we're, we're both really big on just preparing for crap. And we, we're good at preparing, but we're also really, really impulsive. It's a weird mix, but it, it works. Um, and so we decided just to get used to the idea of being in the woods at night, um, kind of getting a feel for navigating and things like that, we would uh, take a hike through Valley Forge and then it would also give us a chance, you know, it's a big open area to try some, uh, some calls, you know, where we were both really big on, uh, are really big on (laughs) doing our, uh, doing our our due diligence and learning as much as we can. Um, And one of the things I guess you do in this, this field is, is learn how to make those calls, um, this, uh, this uh, Sasquatch calls. And, so we took that as an opportunity to try them uh, as well. Uh, and so we hiked into the park um, after hours and we had to kind of duck to avoid a police car that was coming by. But <laughs> <laughs> um, once we made it into the park, we, we started practicing and um, you know, it, it went well and it was, it was fun. So we tr- decided to try a, a couple tactics that um justin had thought of um and so we we had two people that were with us and they we had them go off uh, a little bit to kind of do like a return call for us just to see if i don't know it was our idea that maybe we could trick them um and to thinking like well, there's a sound coming from there, but there's a sound coming from over there. Maybe it's not, you know, just some kids. Uh, we, um, we, we, we made the call and we told them, you know, like, wait 30 seconds before making any kind of response. And so we, we make the call and we're sitting silently and we're waiting. And then I don't know if you've ever heard a tree branch, like twist, that's like slightly broken, but it makes that sound like, yeah, but we like both of us like <laughs> <laughs> um, we <laughs> we we both nearly. Um, yeah, we, we, we both kind of lost it, like 
heart shot into our throat. Like, like obviously it wasn't anything because Valley Forge is very much enclosed in, you know, there's, there's nothing really there, but, um, that was a, that was a good, <laughs> that was, Looking back, that was a, a really funny and very silly moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know that park very well. In fact, I actually, we would go in there as well after hours and stuff in college just to walk around and get out and get away. And oh, yeah. uh, it's it's such a historic location, Yeah, but there really isn't. Honestly, there's nothing. There couldn't. I mean, <laughs> it's so surrounded by industry. I mean, you got King of Prussia right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mall and everything, and it's so it's all uh, yeah. So you guys go out into the the state park, and you kind of just get used to things, and then you decide, okay, let's do this for real, and yeah. you go up into the Poconos, and you know, I'm familiar obviously with Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. I've driven truck up up into the Poconos. I've spent some time up there. It's it's really out there, you know. Once mm-hmm. you get up there, and I've always thought that there definitely could be uh things up there in fact yeah. uh the famous pennsylvania white bigfoot was shot in carbondale county which mm-hmm. uh is in that general area and yeah. so uh you know I- i'm a big fan of that video uh, i do believe that video is real and that's the general area that you guys were in so from your vantage point what happened that night all right so uh, that night we, it started actually, there was actually another place that we started before we found this, uh, this larger, uh, encounter. Um, it was a spot that we had gone before, uh, which we liked because, um, you kind of, it was probably like a, a five ish minute hike into the woods from a parking lot, but then it opened up to, um, these rolling hills and there's a power line that runs straight through the area. And so with the power line, you know, there's no trees that are right in the air. So it makes it a little bit easier to do, uh, do some walking. And, um, it, it allowed us to really get a feel for how far these, the, the calls we were making could carry. Um, and so we, we had been doing, um, our, our thing over there. Uh, and all of a sudden we, uh, we, we heard these, uh, these voices from the woods behind us sounded followed by like ATVs. And, you know, we weren't about to take any chances because we weren't, I don't think we were technically supposed to be there. Um, so we, uh, we, we booked it back um, to the, the car as quick as we could and floored it out of there. And then we found another area um, up by Bear Creek. Um, I don't know if you know where that is, but yeah. Uh, I'm the, okay. <laughs> um, so, we found this long winding road that was sort of, you know, it was kind of like, it was in the boonies. It was off the beaten path. And we pulled off to the side of the road and we, again, you know, just started making calls. And one of our, one of the two guys that was with us, he, he was a big fan. We always carried bats with us to do the, uh, to do some wood knocks because, you know, that that's something that we thought you just do uh, when you're doing this. Uh, and so he would, make the, the wood knock and we'd wait and then kind of off in the distance we we were hearing like it's it's not like something walking through the woods uh you know we just kind of wrote it off like it's probably a deer or a fox or something the forest you know that night it was just it was loud it was loud in the forest um <clears throat> you know the, the crickets owls animals just all over the place they were making noise so we didn't really 
you know, we didn't think anything of it. Um, and it was, you know, there, there was a, a trail that was off to, it was off to our left. And we didn't really, we didn't go into it because there was a, I think it was probably like a five foot, like jump up to the area where we could actually go in. And we said, you know, like, eh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll look somewhere else. So we drove down the road a little bit and we pulled off on this, I don't know if you, yeah, I'm sure you've probably seen them. There's these little like dirt patches off to the side of the road every now and again. Um, and they, uh, we, we pulled off on one of those and we looked in and it looked like there was a, a semblance of a trail. So we started walking in and probably, I want to say like 100 to 150 yards in. Uh, we came across what I'll only really describe as like a grove. There was just this area um, where there was no real tree. We were surrounded by trees, and then there was a rock right in the middle, um, which looking back, that was actually kind of cool. Um, but so we we walked in, and we, we stopped around that area, and um, we, again, you know, just made our calls and um, I let out uh, a, a small whoop and um, we, we waited. And then it, it kind of got weird from there because um, the forest just got silent, um, like eerily quiet. Like if you heard a leaf drop from a tree, you'd hear it hit the ground, um, that kind of quiet. And we hear off to our right, um, we heard this kind of shuffling, like something walking through the woods. And it was around that time, like, I started getting this really weird feeling in my gut. Like, I, I believe the gut is the sixth sense. You know, if there, if it tells you something, <laughs> so if something's wrong, it will tell you. Sure. And um, I got that, that really weird feeling. and. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't really know what to do, but, you know, I'm trying to find myself, it's probably a deer, you know, something, you know, it's gotta be something. And, um, you know, um, I'm, I talk with Justin and, uh, and he, uh, he and I come up with the idea, all right, well, let's just like, let's light the woods up. You know, we're all carrying flashlights, you know, if it's a deer or something, we'll see it. And if it's not, I don't know what we'll do. Uh, <laughs> hopefully nothing bigger. And <clears throat> so we, we, we click on the flashlights and uh, there's, it, it, there's nothing there. Um, and then Justin gets the idea to climb on top of the rock, which is probably not even that large, probably maybe like seven inches to a foot somewhere in that ballpark. Um, it was, it was weirdly shaped though. Um, it gave him enough elevation just to get a, a little bit of a different, different view. And we're not really, you know, we're not really seeing too much. So he, um, asked me to like point my flashlight down so he can get off the rock and we were going to head back to the car. And as he's stepping down from the rock, um, I'm looking 
up at him, making sure he's okay, and holding the flashlight down. So I'm not really paying attention to what's off to the side. But I, as he's getting down from the rock, I see him look over, and his like I, I see his jaw just drop, um, and that that look of like pure fear uh, that that you just see, uh, like you just instantly recognize, like there's something crazy he just saw, and he he can't even really get any words i just pointing um so we immediately you know flip our lights back over there <laughs> like what you see man like i don't know what we should do <laughs> um and he tells me he said he says he he saw an arm and a leg swing behind a tree and we uh we um kind of just like we're, we're staring at we, we it was the like we didn't expect to see anything um we, we didn't know what to do and uh one of the guys he he, he kind of has a mind of his own he, he, he doesn't doesn't think like group mentality he just kind of does something so he walked off to the side he was going to try to get a different angle on it with a, the flashlight uh which in hindsight was probably the stupidest thing he could have done uh <laughs> separate himself from the group but um we decided we were going to start walking forward uh justin he thought he knew the tree that he saw this thing at and so we you know, our, our mentality was really like okay either we get to the tree and it's there's nothing and it was just a light playing a trick like a branch or something or we're going to pin this thing down and i don't know what we're going to do with it you know we i i have a hatchet strapped to my side i i think justin had a, a knife and the other guys had bats like we're so unprepared for this um you know and we at that point i, I will say you know our best guess was that this was basically an intelligent ape running through the woods i have since changed my opinion of that after doing more more um investigating um into it and i yeah, it blows my mind that we didn't die tonight that night um but as we're want we're, we're slowly walking over towards the edge of the the grove and then to our left um we hear this like snap i was close enough where i actually heard a thud like a large foot you know like smacking the ground and i know justin turned with me uh i don't know about the other guys i know the one was way far off uh i don't know about the other guys but we turned and not even remotely like eye level with us, but up. Um, it's just eye shine, you know, not huge. You know, they weren't out of this world enormous eyes, but they were definitely larger than ours. And this was probably like, I would say at least eight feet off the ground. Um, it, it was definitely a, like, I had to look up and. <clears throat> It was staring back at us, and that that was really the point where my my heart just jumped into my throat. Like 
I don't know if you've ever had those nightmares where you want to scream, but you can't actually make any noise. Yeah. But that's, that's really what I felt like in that moment. I was petrified. And uh, the, the thing I'll, I'll never forget was that it, it just like, it slowly blinked um, at us. And then it, it started, it, it, the, the eye, they, they went behind a tree. And the crazy thing is they came out the other side. Um, and we, when we talked about it after we realized like these eyes, they weren't bobbing or anything like that. Like if it was an animal that was running across the branch or something across a branch, its eyes would like, you know, you'd see them bounce. Uh, but no, it was just, it was a just fluid movement back and forth. And it, uh, um, it, it just kind of kept peeking out um, from beyond, from but from behind the tree. It, it just, just looked like it was just watching us. And then it started moving to the next tree, uh, next tree to its left, our right. And it kind of did the same thing. It poked in. It looked from behind the tree like that. And... Um, and then I think it might have moved like one or more. It never took its eyes off of us um, the entire time. It was it was just staring us down. And then it went uh, after. I think it went like maybe one or two more trees after that. I I honestly don't remember. Most of this night's a blur. Um, it went behind a tree, and then. It never, it didn't come back out, but maybe it, it felt like what was, it felt like an eternity, but um, it, it, it was probably maybe, maybe a minute, um, but the forest just came back to life. You know, it was all of a sudden it was Justin, he described it really well as like somebody had, you know, turned the, audio dial from zero to you know to zero to full and all of a sudden the course it was loud again that was our you know kind of snap back to reality and we just stared at each other looked at it and hauled it back to the car man we ran i you know i'm, I'm not a runner but i'm pretty I, I vaulted rocks and crap that was in my way <laughs> um we we got back to the car and got in. I Justin was driving, but I locked the doors. Um, I don't know what that actually would have done, but you know, whatever. It made me feel better. Um, <laughs> and I, um, you know, we, we we just sat for it must have been like five or ten minutes, just in shock over what we saw. And then Justin just put the car in drive and we, we started going home. Uh, we had a really long drive. You know, there, there wasn't any real discussion until like maybe an hour and a half into the trip. Um, we, we, it was just silence in the car. Um, and then we kind of started processing what we had seen like. It was sort of like that that confirmation, like, 
okay, everybody saw this. Like we're 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 not all insane. You know, this this wasn't that this this was a thing that we all experienced together. Um and we kind of started talking about, you know, what like theories we you know we, we came out with a theory which you know we're, it, it's it's pure speculation above and beyond everything else but you know our our best theory was that we had found a juvenile making a mistake and then it's parent other member of the family whatever just decided to you know step in um which it's it's pure speculation there's there's no way to tell but that was sort of our initial best guess but and then it was i i kind of just came to this realization like we just had this incredible experience and nobody's going to believe us and you know i i said that i was like no one's going to believe anything that we tell them tonight and i don't totally know how to deal with this and the car it just got quiet again until we made it back to our uh our dorm and when we got back it wasn't even a, a like oh, okay guys you know we'll see you later kind of thing it was we just parked the car grabbed our gear <laughs> walked back to our individual rooms i i don't even think i slept that night i i might have gotten half an hour um we didn't get back until probably like three four ish in the morning and we uh yeah i i didn't sleep a wink but yeah that was a uh, that was that night yeah man that's i i can't imagine the feeling you have going out there and not truly expecting to see anything i mean you've been out there before and then all of a sudden it's right there i yeah <laughs> Because, all right, so when you're telling me this story, I can see in your face your demeanor's changing as you get deeper into it. Is it something that still affects you to this day? I think to to an extent. Um, you know, we, we still went out after that night. It, it, took, it, it took us a couple of weeks to kind of recover. And um, you know, we, we, we did end up going out after that. but. You know, it's it's still something that like every time we went out, you know, and every time, really every time we've gone out since then, um, it's something that's always kind of stuck out in my mind, like to the point where I've started, you know, like mentally preparing, like okay, well, if different scenarios that pop in my head, like well, what ha- what would happen if it attacked? You know, it it, it could have killed us all, and you know, I, thank God it didn't. But it was just sort of the like we're screwed if you know. I, I think we just got really lucky because um, it, it's it's the story of our lives. Jess and I, you know, we, we've been best friends since college. It, it, we've nearly died together more times than I can count for doing a variety of stupid things. <laughs> it's, the point, it's it's probably just not even healthy um but you know that's 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 our friendship i love the kid i love the kid to death but um I, i'm not it, it's almost i i think hopeless 
is the word I would use. Um, like if we go out and see one of these things again, like in the capacity that I did, like I didn't remember I had an ax on my side. I, I didn't think to grab it. I didn't think to do any of that. It was just a, uh. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, I, I guess to an extent, yeah, I haven't really thought about it uh, too, too much, but yeah, yeah, I guess it really has been uh, kind of affecting me in a way. Um, I'm definitely more hesitant to go out on these night hikes and, and things like that. You know, I think part of it is just fear yeah. of, of actually running into one thing. And I've been fascinated with it for a long while, a, a long, long while, the whole topic. And, I still do my own investigating and, and things like that. Obviously, you know, I, I love listening to your show and uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and things like that. And it's uh, and then just doing my own research. But yeah, it's uh, it's just I, I think just really kind of throwing me for a loop to get to. to I, I definitely won't go into the woods alone. I'll tell you that. Um, I I can't bring myself to to do that. Um, you know, I, I would have to go with friend if not two. So when you were there that night and you said that you had that one friend that kind of went off on his own and you guys, you know, hindsight looking back, you're like, that was the stupidest thing he could have done. When he went off on his own, did he go towards this thing trying to get a better look at it? Is that what he was doing? No. So he, it, if, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. He he almost backtracked away and kind of took like he wanted he went off at an angle um to where we were. So if I'm gonna try to do this on the screen here. Um so we're roughly if we're just hypothetically say here and we think the creatures are here, he kinda of went off this way. So he didn't go like towards okay. it, but he, he kinda of backed off to see if he could get a different angle on it. Um, but by the time he, I, I, I don't even know when he made it back to the group. All four of us were there staring at these, these eyes and the fourth guy, not the fellow who ran back, but the fourth guy, I mean, he was just sitting there like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. He's just muttering it to himself over and over and over. Um, which isn't what you asked. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I wonder did he? What did he have to say about that night? The guy who kind of went off on his own because you you say that he was all of a sudden back with you guys. And you don't know kind of really when he came back, but a lot of times people say that these things aren't alone, and so and you even said that you know pure specul speculative, but it could be you know a juvenile and a, an a adult coming in to kind of figure out what's going on. So and you even in your speculation, the theory that you guys present, there could be a two there. Did he ever talk about, you know, when he went off on his own, did he ever sense or see or hear anything out there when he was alone? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really know. Um, you know he, I mean, I, we were friendly, but, you know, he, he's not someone that I, you know, would, would call up and say, hey, man, let's grab lunch. Um, so he, he, um, he was connected to uh, Justin. He, Justin was an RA at school and um he uh this kid lived on his hall um 
So I, I really don't know. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, but I, uh, honestly don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious because the, just the way I'm picturing in my mind and you say that he was all of a sudden back, it makes me feel like he got creeped out by something maybe and, and hurried back. But I mean, I can't imagine, well, I don't know. Shock does a lot of things. I mean, it seems odd to me that four guys would drive back to college barely talking about what happened. But when you're in that, that state of being of shock, like I hear that all the time. People say that, you know, they, they saw a UFO or something like that with a group of people and nobody talks about it. And that's just not normal. That's just, that's not normal behavior. Uh, it's something that, you know, at the very least you're in shock. And so, you know, I just, I don't know. I was just curious if you knew anything about that, but, um, did you guys, did you, per, for instance, did you ever sense, had that feeling that you guys were being watched by by something else as well, like from another angle? Is that kind of like how the theory of two being there developed, or was that just pure speculation? I, I think that's just speculation. I I don't know. I mean, I've I, I, I've I've had a roller coaster life, um, <laughs> but I, I've learned to trust my gut. Um, and I'm not. I'm not sure if that's that's where that really, I guess, developed. Um, but like, I mean, it was just that really. I, I think that that theory kind of developed over the fact that we hear so often that these creatures are just so careful with their interactions, and seeing one just like, I guess, basically getting pinned behind a tree. Um, seems kind of like a, a rookie mistake, if you will. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think Justin, he described it as being probably like six and a half feet roughly-ish tall, which is still, you know, big, <laughs> but not the, not quite the size that you would you would see these things otherwise. Um, and so when we're staring at a eight foot tall thing, and again, I'm just, I'm guessing with that. I, I really am, but it was significantly taller than, than us. Um, that was just sort of the, the, that I guess that was just the way we could rationalize how like, or what happened. Um, just sort of our field attempt to figure it out. <laughs> right. Now, with the eye shine, you guys are looking at these eyes, and and if I'm if I'm correct, you did describe it as eye shine, right? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you some questions here because I'm curious as to this whole eye shine thing. First off, when it comes to the eye shine, could you describe? What kind of shine you're talking about? Are you talking about? Are you talking about something that was reflecting light from your flashlights, or was it something that you think was actually illuminating from within? How would you describe this eye shine? So I think it would be. Uh, I think it would be reflective. I mean, I've I've heard the theory of bioluminescence. Um, I don't totally buy it. Um, if only because, as far as I know. I don't think any other mammals have that ability. For, I mean, forgive my ignorance if I'm wrong, but I don't think they do. 
I know it's uh, a thing with uh, some fish, um, but I don't I don't think it's anything with mammals. Uh, so I think it was just reflecting our flashlights. Okay. Now with the eye shine, I know you said the the memory is foggy, but do you remember noticing the distance between each eye? How like was it significant, or is that something you really can't remember? It, I mean, it wasn't. I, I think it would be hard to to give an exact distance, but there were probably a good like maybe six or six ish inches between each eye. I think I I I, I honestly you know, I couldn't tell you, um, but that would probably be my best guess. Okay. Yeah, I I was just wondering because I know a lot of people when they hear stories and stuff they try you know naturally trying to figure out what what else could have been you know, but when you were telling me how you saw a move from tree to tree, that all in my head it's like okay well if it's moving from tree to tree it's not like you know a raccoon on a tree peeking from one side to the other, and the way you described it and how smooth it moved as far as the eye shine goes. I mean, if it's a raccoon, you're going to see it bobbing up and down and things like that. So I, I find that very interesting. Were you were you into this whole Bigfoot thing before you went to college, or did you get into this when you met Justin? So I've I've been like I, I didn't do any like hardcore investigating until I met Justin, but I, I've always kind of believed uh, in, in 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 these cryptids and and things like that. Like when I was growing up, the Loch Ness monster was my hero. Um, if you, if you look behind me, you'll see it on a picture in my, in my office. <laughs> um, so I've, I've always believed that, you know, these, these cryptids could exist. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a Christian and, um, I, I say that because the, the basic tenet of the Christian faith is that Jesus came, died on a cross and then was resurrected. And if you really think about that statement was resurrected, you know, that that's mind blowing um, at its at its core. And it, it's impossible for us to really wrap our heads around because it's it's something we've never really encountered other than the the the, the theology that we believe. Um, but. You know, I believe that it is a thing. I believe that the miracles that are written down that Jesus performed, I believe those are real. Um, the miracles of that other, you know, Moses leading the Israelites out of the um, out of Egypt, I, I believe all those things happened. Um, so to me, it wasn't that far off to believe that there could be something some animals that society's just kind of written off as, you know, oh, whatever, but you know, why not? Sure. I, I think, I think it could be a thing. I think it could be possible. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I first started getting into the Bigfoot thing, I often told people that we may never solve this mystery of Bigfoot and I'd be, I'd be I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, I always told people that I'm, I might get to heaven one day and say, God, what was this Bigfoot thing? And they'll be like, it's exactly what you thought it was, only I just made it for my for me. My pure enjoyment wasn't meant for you, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you just, you don't know how God works, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah I just, 
I absolutely understand what you're saying. So what happened before this big encounter? Because you, you described, you said to me that something else happened. Uh, I don't think it was that night though. No, it wasn't that night. Um, but there was, uh, another night, um, we had gone to, it was that area I talked to you about, um, the, with the power lines and things like that. So we actually followed them down for a while and, um, we, I don't even think it was that far. It's probably only like half a mile. Um, but we, um, we, we stopped and we made our, made our calls and, and things like that. And, um, we heard like rustling in some bushes, um, that were, were nearby the really, really dense bushes. And so, you know, our, our thought was, let's just, you know, see if we can power through them with flashlights. And we couldn't, it was, it was just too thick. Um, but we figured it was probably just a deer something, you know, because the, the, the rule that we always had, excuse me, going into these, these nights and these, these trips was rule out everything before you assume before we assume it's it's a Sasquatch or, or Bigfoot or anything like that. Um, and so if, if there's nothing other than some shuffling in leaves, it's probably just a woodland critter. You know, a decent chance that's, that's what it is. Um, and so at that point, we decided that we were going to turn around and start walking, walking back. Um, and to, I guess, describe the scene. So there was the, the bushes and then it was just like really steep mountain slope that just shot straight up. And yes, yeah, so it was, it was almost like these power lines. like, it, it kind of felt like they cut a valley through the mountains to, to place these things, which I hope they didn't, but, um, uh, that's, that's sort of, how it how it looked um and it was just completely covered in trees and so we turned around we're walking away and i don't know why but i just had this feeling like i should turn around and and take a look not even with a flashlight or whatever but just kind of look and all i see is like a, a black mass and what looks like a leg just shoot up the side of the mountain um, from these bushes and I see the, the bushes, like they shake, like something just left from there. And, um, my heart stopped, um, not quite as bad as it was during the, 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 I'm going to say more intimate encounter that we had. Um, but it, it was, I, I didn't know if my eyes were playing tricks on me or, or what, and, you know, thinking, well, maybe it was a shadow. Oh, wait, my flashlight's off. Um, there's no lights that are out there. So something took off from those bushes and hauled it straight up a mountain. Um, and so I, I, I stopped the group and, you know, I'm just, I, I can't even really talk. I'm just pointing, you know, shaking. And, finally get the ability to actually speak and i say i just saw something tear up the side of that mountain and so we 
Justin, he gets all excited. Like, really? Uh, and we, uh, we walk back and uh, we start looking for tracks of some kind. And it had actually snowed. Um, I don't know if it was, I forget. It was, I think it was like earlier that week. Um, and it wasn't, there wasn't like a ton of snow, just enough that it sort of lightly covered the ground. And we, um, we saw that there was a large indent in, in the snow, uh, nothing specific. Like there's no way we could have taken any kind of casting or anything like that. No defined toes or anything like that, but it, it was roughly in the shape of a foot and probably about that big, uh, which is difficult there, uh, <laughs> bigger than my head. So you say it was about what twelve inches? Like twelve to fifteen ish. Okay. Ballpark. Um, I I could just be remembering wrong. It was it was definitely a while ago. We uh we ended up taking a, a picture of it, and we didn't have anything to reference it. So I think we laid a pencil next to it that somebody had in their pocket. Uh, <laughs> super professional we were. Um, but. Yeah, that um, that that was really that encounter. It was very, very brief, very quick. Um, I I actually I, I kind of doubted myself. Like I wondered, you know, like what it could have been. You know, if anything, you know, maybe it just was my eyes playing tricks on me, or like a branch that was like moving in the wind, or something. Um, but then I think the then the following encounter, the the bigger one, I think that really solidified it for me uh, and kind of confirmed like, okay, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Uh, <laughs> so how yeah. far how far apart were the two encounters? I mean, when you first saw that thing shoot the the mountain, and then the big encounter, distance wise, how far apart was was it? I want to say it, it was probably only a month or two. Um, well, what about like distance-wise, as far as miles? Were you in the same general area? <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't know. Probably like twenty, maybe thirty miles difference. Okay. Uh, when we, because we were there before that, that was the spot where we were uh, chased away um, by the, the people with the ATVs before we went off to the the bigger encounter. Um, I think it took us the better part of like 30 to 45 minutes to get to the other spot. Okay. That makes sense. When you saw it shoot up the mountain now, first of all, would you say it was bipedal? Did it seem bipedal to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it would look that way. Yeah. And as far as mass goes, you didn't see enough to really make a judgment call as far as how big it was. No, no, there's, there was no way. Okay. It, it was, it was literally the point of an eye. And you didn't like see it run for a distance. It was just like sudden boom, shoots somewhere and kind of goes in a direction that was up the mountain. Where did you actually yeah. see it for a little distance running? No, it was once it there there was probably a span of maybe seven feet, seven to ten feet between the the brush and then tree cover. Um so I saw it for that excuse me, that span. Okay. When this all is going on and stuff, 
and you saw what you saw going up the mountain, and then you have the Bigfoot encounter where you're seeing these eyes stare at you, and Justin actually saw part of it. You guys go back. You can't really talk to each other. You're just like in shock and awe. Who have you guys talked to since then? I mean, have you been able to talk to your family, your friends, or is it something that you really just kind of don't talk a whole lot about? Really, I, I can't speak for the the two guys that uh, not Justin. I'm I'm not super super close with them. Um, I know Justin has told our story a couple of times. Obviously, he went on Sasquatch Chronicles and told um, told the story there. Um, I found I I really couldn't tell the story. Like I would say, you know, I did have an encounter if anybody asked, but. I couldn't really bring myself to actually tell it. Um, so the only person I've really told in full was actually my wife. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, a couple of my coworkers who were talking about it and how they wanted to go out and, and look for, uh, for, uh, for, for Sasquatch. And so I, I kind of gave them that story as a warning. Um, you know, just, prepare <laughs> what'd they say they, they were they were like it was like they were shocked I, you know it was i don't think they expected to hear any of that you know it's really i, I think it's rare um to meet anyone who will open up and tell a story and i felt like you know for the longest while it's just been a, a burden kind of like weighing on me where I haven't really been able to tell this part of my life, um, you know, kind of a, a really like, it's like a life changing moment. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that my, my wife is, uh, she very wonderfully non-judgmental. And, you know, after everything, you know, she's actually come out and said that, you know, she believes these things exist as well. There's no interest in going into the woods to look for them, which you please save this. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I think that's really the only sauce I've really been able to take. Your coworkers that wanted to go out looking for it and you, and you warned them about your encounter. I, I think that's a common case for people where they're like, oh, it'd be so cool to go out there and look for Bigfoot. And I, I think a lot of times people in the back of their mind, they're just going out there, thrill-seeking, trying to get, you know, a little chill up and down their spine, but they don't really expect to see anything. And that's natural because you didn't expect to see anything, you know, and, and you were out there, you were out there looking for, it. you guys believe they exist and, and you and Justin were, you know, doing your thing. I mean, you guys were preparing by going into Valley Forge and, you know, practicing in there before you actually went out somewhere where you knew it was possible to have them around. And it was just, um, I, I think a lot of times people, they just don't get it. You know, I mean, I've never seen a Sasquatch I, and I think I'm prepared as much as you can be for something like that. But, you know, once you're in that moment, who knows? Who knows? And so, you know, maybe those guys, did they ever go out looking for it then? Or or did you kind of scare them away from it? I actually don't know. Um, I uh, I uh, wasn't in that job for very much longer. I, um, I actually got uh, promoted up to another position. Um, I think it was like, the week following. So I, I really didn't get a chance to follow up with them and see if they actually did. Gotcha. 
Okay. So last thing I want you to share with us. What's it? What, what is this rednecks almost shooting you guys thing? I got to hear this story. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, this is a story I, 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 I do enjoy sharing. Um, so Justin and I, we took, um, one of the guys that had, uh, come with us on the, the big encounter. We decided we were going to go out again because for us, it, you know, it's a three-ish hour drive. So it's, it's just, it's a guy night, you know, it's just a time it is, that's really how we saw those nights it is not primarily to go look for Sasquatch. It was just to spend time together and enjoy, <clears throat> just enjoy each other's company. So we, um, we took off and we found the spot that we had picked out because we always do our research before we go to see, you know, like we see if there's been any recent sightings anywhere. And that's usually where we plan on going. And so this spot was um, up by the, I think it was the Delaware Water Gap up in that area. Um, and so we pulled off the road to where we were going to go into uh, into the park and we um we passed a campground probably like half a mile back and so we we parked our car at the campground because there was really nowhere else to to pull over and then we just hiked it into the woods uh we made it probably like four maybe 500 meters into the 500 yards into the into the woods and then we made a couple calls and all of a sudden we heard a commotion from back towards where the campground was and we hear a truck getting turned on and then like peeling out of, of the campground and you know, we, we really didn't think too much of it but we so we started trying to walk a little bit further in and all of a sudden we turn around and there's headlights that are starting to come into the, the clearing where there was a, a, a small like access road um, that they had apparently come into. And so once we saw the lights, you know, we were like, get down. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't know what what was there. Um, but they um, they got out of their it was like a truck car you know, whatever it might have been but um they opened up the trunk and all we hear is the sound of oh my gosh of of, of a gun being caught <laughs> and you know they, they pull out a it was a, a a lantern kind of thing a spotlight and they're like combing the forest and we're just like hunched down as low as we can absolutely go you know we're we're wearing darker clothing which probably wasn't the smartest call but um yeah they they stayed there for the better part of three minutes just like combing the the woods looking for for something to shoot uh for and, you <laughs> yeah for us that yeah they were looking for us to shoot um and eventually they they climbed back into their car and they kept going we're like screw this <laughs> so we bolted back to the car and we tore out of there <laughs> wow 
So they they most certainly heard you guys making calls, and they probably were freaked out, and they probably like whatever monster that is, we're gonna we're gonna go shoot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna kill it, and then it's gonna be mounted on my wall. That's <laughs> they're they're probably back at their camp saying. Do you know what that is? No, it sounds like that Bigfoot sound I've heard on Finding Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh my gosh, man. So you you're you're putting all these calls out and you you get something just not what you thought it would be. <laughs> no, we got the exact opposite thing of what we wanted. Um you became that, the prey. That was just another example of another time Justin and I should have died together. Uh <laughs> sounds like a very healthy relationship. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> best friend he really he, he really is like you know for, he he uh he he's he's such a great guy he really is I, I i absolutely adore him that's awesome man it's rare that you find friendships in life that are uh timeless like that you know i mean i've had so many friends throughout my life that just come and go you know it's hard to find the friends that stick no matter what so yeah that's really cool that you guys have that relationship yeah. So let me ask you before we get out of here, you know, you've had these experiences. You obviously believe in Bigfoot. What do you think Bigfoot is? You hinted before that your mind has changed. So what do you think Bigfoot is now? So kind of where my mind just to I guess give you a little bit of backstory, you know, where where my mind was initially was just that it was a an ape in the woods. I think I said that earlier. Um, but having listened to a lot of the encounters on a variety of different things, um, the interview you did with um, Rocky Elmore, um, that really shook me. Um, you know, hearing how. Yeah, I have nothing but respect for Border Patrol agents. And hearing how they they heard the big, the, it just like fell into the, the the creek, and they couldn't find any prints anywhere around there. Uh, and that that really freaked me out. And then hearing other uh, stories and doing my own uh, research into uh, the Nephilim, um, I've kind of come under the impression that I think that's probably what we're dealing with um, is something like, I don't know if it is like the Nephilim, but something along those lines. Um, I know they're, they weren't uh, killed off in the flood. Uh, it was that tiny little two words in, in the Bible that says they were there before and after. Um, and I think that I don't know if it's that the Nephilim are, are like choosing these things as like a host host body or if that's just what they are. Um, but that's that's kind of where my head's at right now. And, you know, I, I think it's really important to always be able to change your mind, if, if you will, like always keep your mind open uh, to new evidence that sort of produces itself, presents itself. Um, so as more information comes forward, I think it's important to be able to change your opinion. Absolutely. Uh, but that's, that's my best guess at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and 
I actually, I mean, I think people probably gather from the fact that I've had two shows in my first 20 shows talking about Nephilim. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously into the topic and, uh, you know, something happened there and either they didn't die during the flood or it happened again. You know, I, I'm in the very beginning stages of doing some serious digging into this and it's going to take time and effort because I'm going to be doing a lot of, um, original language research, you know, looking into the Hebrew and what actually, well, it's important to understand different things because you, you lose things in translations. And so there, there's times in the Hebrew and different languages where they will use a word that when you translate it to English, it can be translated into two, three different words. And it's up to the translator's discretion to figure out what the meaning really was. And so you have to look into things as far as context goes, what was going on around that word and what was going on, what was the person that was writing trying to tell you? And yeah. so I'm I'm going to be doing a lot of that kind of stuff. It just takes a lot of time and time is not on my side right now. Uh, but I see a lot of sleepless nights ahead of me because it's something that is, is bubbling up inside of me and I just can't really subdue it anymore. But, um, the Nephilim definitely were around afterwards. Uh, numbers 1333, they said that when they sent some of the people of Israel into the land, they come back and they say, there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers to them, you know? So, and that's post flood. And so clearly whatever was going on before the flood happened again, at least, you know, and you can draw different conclusions. You can, when it comes to the whole Bigfoot thing, you could say, is it a hybrid? Did these fallen angels not only have sex with women, but animals? Did they create these hybrid beings? Did they create these, these beings as empty shells that they're, when the Nephilim die, some people say that when the Nephilim die, their spirits were our demons that we experience today. And that yeah. maybe those demons now inhabit these empty shells that the fallen angels created for that purpose. There's so many different theories and thoughts and stuff about it, but it's important if you're going to dive into the scriptures and try figuring this kind of stuff out, it's important to do it as accurate as possible. You know what I mean? Instead, yeah, of, instead of picking and choosing, that's what a lot of people do. I mean, it's just the culture we live in now. People want to believe what they want to believe, you know? And it's like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to give credence to the Bible, you need to actually look into it as for what it really is, you know? And so I, I, I give you kudos, man, for, you know, doing that. And, uh, I, I've heard that before and I don't, I don't know, for me, the jury's still out, you know, I'm trying to figure that out myself, but, um, that's, that's really where I'm at too. It's, you know, there's that, that's the best guess I can come up with. Um, but I, I, I don't know. That's it. It, it, you know, I, I think Wes puts it the best way possible. You know, we don't have one of these things in a garage that we're studying. It's right. It's all up into interpretation. You know, there's an, until we have one that we can, you know, pull apart and study, we're, we're never going to know. Do you think that somebody somewhere, whether it's government or whatever, has had a body and it's just not being talked about? It wouldn't surprise me if the government has had a body. Um, you know, I, 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 I believe the it's. It, I believe it's a government cover up. I really do. Um, 
in one way or another, you know, whether it's because the American citizens couldn't possibly wrap their mind around the idea that there's something out there that's bigger than us that can kill us um, or for whatever other reason, you know, I I don't totally buy into the idea that the forest industry is covering it up, uh, you know, uh, the the forest. I don't, I don't buy into that, but you know, I, it, it, it really wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, if the, if the government ever did come forward and say how admit these things were real, like it wouldn't surprise me in any of those like declassified documents. If they say, Oh yeah, we picked one up in, you know, the seventies and we've been, we studied it for as long as we could, and then we got another one, and then another one, and another one. It's just, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of people that tell stories of talking to, uh, I believe it was actually on Wes's show, Sasquatch Chronicles, where he talked about, or he had somebody come on, that's what it was. They had an interview where this guy was a Mormon, I believe, and he was knocking on door to door, talking to people about their faith. He meets an old man, and the old man invites him back to talk, and they build a relationship with this guy. And this guy, I think pretty much on his deathbed, wanted to talk to these two guys again, and he shared with them uh, how at one time he was involved in working with the government to actually hunt a clan of these things down because I guess they were getting rowdy or something, and... uh but they, they, he, I think he, they, he was a sheriff or something, and they, they used him to help navigate the area or something like that. I can't remember the story. It was a while ago, but um, it was a very compelling story. And th- but the bottom line is, if, if these things are are real, and you know, like I say, I, I've never seen one, so I believe they're real. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe somehow everybody I ever talked to is lying to me. I don't know. And <laughs> but the fact that these things you know, for lack of better terminology, they're, they're real. Then there has to be on some level of the government knowledge on it. You know, like there is, there's no possible way that all these people that are citizens have seen these things, but because you hold a government job, you don't see it. Like people in the government have had to seen it and, or, or, or know about it, you know? And I'm not saying like, I think I said this before on a, on a sh- one of my shows or something about how it's I don't I really don't believe Donald Trump's waking up every morning going to the Oval Office the first thing of order of business hey I want to know where all those sightings were yesterday a Bigfoot where are they at we need to keep track of these guys you know like I don't think it goes that high but I think on some kind of level of at least local government forest you know forest rangers so things like that I mean you hear you hear stories of them talking about hey you know. I can't talk about it a whole lot. I'm just telling you, don't go in that valley at night, you know, things like that. And so I absolutely agree with you that, you know, they have to know somewhere along the line. Now, I know I said this before, but I'll say it again. Last question, because your 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 last answer brought up another question. If you come to conclusion that you're pretty sure Bigfoot is Nephilim, do you go looking for it anymore? So that's that's tricky because for a while I once I sort of realized that I don't know about this. So after the the big encounter that we had, you know, up to then 
my whole perception was that it was just a creature in the woods. Um, and more just like curious, not anything serious, seriously, you know, that, that could possibly like hurt us because, you know, my, my whole real knowledge base came from a, a TV program called uh, Finding Bigfoot. And they don't exactly showcase, they, they don't, you know, it, it's a family show. So they're, they're not talking about the, the more dangerous encounters that, that people have had, you know, the, the bluff charges or um, some of the other crazy things that, you know, we've, we've heard have happened. Um, <clears throat> and then it wasn't until once I sort of started doing more, um, <clears throat> more investigating into it, you know, listening to more of uh, Wes's show um, did I, like, and I, I realized, you know, these things that it's not just a curious thing out in the woods. They're like actually really dangerous. Um, it it really turned me off from, from going to see it and then coming to the conclusion that they might be the, the Nephilim. I'm torn because I, the, yeah, I, I love the woods. I love being out in the woods. Um, and you know, during during the day, I have no problem going out. I really don't. Um, night's a whole different story. Uh, but knowing, thinking on how they might be the Nephilim, yeah, I, I'm torn because yeah, as a as a devout Christian, I know that God will protect me. But equally, I don't know if we should really be playing with fire. You know, if if this thing really is of you know, it, uh, you know, half angel, you know, half fallen angel. Um, then, in, especially with some of the more, for lack of a better term, I guess, supernatural powers, like that's, you know, I believe God would protect me, but I think to an extent, unless we're really called to go to to find these things. I think it's just inviting temptation. You know, it's like you can't pray for, pray to be protected and put yourself in a position where you can be hurt. You know, you can't intentionally put yourself into a position where you can be hurt. You know, it's like praying for, in my head, it's, it's the same as like, I pray I get a job, but I'm not going to put out any job applications. You know, it's it, it, it doesn't it works makes, against each other. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so. I don't really know, because I, I don't I, I think ultimately I would still gladly go out on a night hike with with friends. I'm bringing a big pistol, but I uh, I don't know that I would want to go out with the specific intent to go look for them as of right now, I think or at least with, you know, I, I, I just, I think that's just inviting something bad to happen. I understand that. Yeah, I understand that. And that, I mean, that's perfectly understandable. 
if they if they if they are some kind of form of nephilim then you're talking about you're dealing with something that's supernatural it has supernatural origins you know and it has evil supernatural origins and um so i mean if you come to that conclusion it's totally understandable that you would step back from it and be like yeah i'll observe from a distance in my living room watching finding bigfoot you know <laughs> yeah and it's it i mean it I, if I'm going to be out in the woods at night, like I'll, I'll bring a pistol, but it's really, I think it's almost a false sense of security. Like if, sure. <laughs> if, if they are of a, a, of an evil supernatural thing, then pistol's not going to do, it's not going to do anything. It's like trying to yeah. shoot a ghost. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, it's, it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I understand that. Well, Mike, listen, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing with us, you know, your side of the story. Now, that show aired on Sasquatch Chronicles a while back, and it's really cool that you're coming forward to kind of confirm that story, you know, from your vantage point and also share that, yeah, we I did see something else before that, and Justin actually talked about it very briefly on Wes's show, and uh, it was really cool for you to come on and just kind of share this stuff and and get it off your chest. And I, I really hope that um, you know you keep in touch with me. You're you're living in Maryland. I'm in PA. You know we're not that far from each other, so you know who knows? Maybe one day our paths will cross. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Oh, thank you. It's it really you know I, I kind of yeah, I want to thank you as well. I mean just yeah people say I, I know people say this uh to you a lot but you know thank you for providing an outlet yeah. for for all of us who who have had these kind of crazy experiences to come on and you know not feel judged um because i think that's that that fear of judgment that it so permeates and it can it can do a lot of terrible things to your you know self esteem and things like that. But sure. I really thank you for uh, for providing such an awesome outlet to uh, to talk about that. I really appreciate that, man. I really do because um, you know it's a shame that people have to be afraid of the whole judgment aspect of things. But uh, the fact of the matter is, the people who ridicule usually don't spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. And if they did, they'd come to the conclusion that I've come to a long time ago, people are seeing things out there. And whether whatever you think it is, is irrelevant to the fact that people are actually seeing things. And if they're actually seeing these things, then they need to be able to talk about it. You know, and I know that's why like Wes has his show and it provides such a great outlet for people who have seen Sasquatch. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of this show is about as well. You know, people who have seen just the crazy stuff in life, to be able to get it off their chest. And I hope it, I hope it accomplishes one of two things. I either, I hope it just gets it off your chest and you can move on in life. Or I hope by talking about it, it opens up a new door for you to kind of look into things, maybe in a different light and try to pursue figuring out what the heck did I freaking see? You know, because a lot, I think a lot of times people experiencing things they shut it off and they don't want like, like I said earlier, how many times do we see people who just, they don't talk about it. They've seen something insane and yet they don't talk about it. And it's because of that fear of judgment. There's other aspects that probably go into it. But if, if talking about it and sharing it with an audience, feeling like you're actually able to share your story with people, gets it off your chest and allows you to think clearly, 
to pursue the topic and figure out what you think this thing could be. Awesome. You know, so I'm really glad that uh, you feel that way about the show and I hope other people do as well. So, but thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you get a chance this week, go ahead on Facebook and give us a like or go on Twitter and give us a follow. If you do listen to the show on iTunes, please give us one of those good old happy reviews. You know those reviews help us out a lot and I really appreciate it. And like I said earlier, if you have an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me, go ahead and email me at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com or... Go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Until next week, friends, take care. Yeah,